Hello, and welcome to the RCC Weekly Sermon Podcast. In week six of our James Faith in Action series, Pastor Kenny taught from James 1, verses 21 through 27, about how maturity in Christ is about us becoming more like Jesus through heart change. You guys been enjoying uh, James so far? We've been in this letter from Jesus' brother, writes this letter. He's uh, the pastor of Jerusalem. Uh, I don't know if you know, if you ever read through the book of Acts, it's pretty neat. There's a book of Acts in the Bible, which tells us the, the, the history of what happened after Jesus rose from the dead, kind of the beginning of the church. And it starts in Jerusalem. Uh, that's, where, that's where the church kind of launches. And for until eight chapters, in, in Acts chapter 8, actually some persecution comes. People don't like that they're, that they're following Jesus. They start doing some really bad things to them. It gets really hard. And actually a lot of people flee from Jerusalem because of this persecution. And it actually launches out the church. What the enemy, what, what, what Satan intends for evil, God intends for good. And he uses it to spread the, the good news about this Jesus all throughout the world, even to today. And so the book of Acts is amazing. But G, uh, James becomes the key leader in Jerusalem. It's a church that's gone through intense persecution. He writes, Paul writes letters later to other churches asking them to send money to Jerusalem because they're really struggling. And so it's a church that is going through some really hard times and needs some encouragement. And so James writes this letter from that, that kind of vantage point. Any of you guys have a perfect life? Get out. Just kidding, just kidding. But no, it, it's, it's important for us to, to, to realize that what James is writing to people like us, people that are just living ordinary lives, and it doesn't all happen, it doesn't all go well. It's not all easy and smooth sailing. They're facing a lot of struggles, and he's writing to encourage them. And in James chapter 1, we're going to finish James chapter 1 today, but anytime you're studying a letter, particularly uh, that somebody wrote, in, in a letter that someone wrote in the Bible, one of the what we call the epistles, the letters that are written from, from a person to other people, it's important to understand some of the anchor verses. An anchor verse in chapter 1, it's the verse that tells you what all the other verses are really anchored on. And so, in your Bibles, in James chapter 1, verse 4, at the end of it, we see the anchor verse. And so I want to begin there this morning. James chapter 1, verse 4. He says this, he says, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. That's the aim of this letter, especially in James 1. Everything else that he's writing in James chapter 1 is connected to this statement that I'm telling you this so that you will be mature and complete and lacking nothing. And now this is a Greek Word James writes in Greek and then we've translated into English and the English version is so that you would be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. And the, the word that James used, the phraseology that James uses in Greek, it means this, so that you would become the person that you are supposed to be. Lacking in nothing Complete and mature, lacking in nothing, literally means the person who you were created to be. 
And now I hear people talk about this type of concept all the time. Even non-Christians want to figure out who they are. We want to figure out who we are. It's something that's just innate in us. We want to figure out who we are, what we're supposed to do, and we want to become the best version of ourselves, right? We want to become the best version of ourselves. And, the, and we have all kinds of advice. And I would say the predominant worldly advice is this, that there's, there's this idea, and it's false, I would, I would argue, but there's this idea that somehow within us is is everything that we need to become our truest self. And so we say things like this, just follow your heart, right? Somehow we'll just follow our heart and it will lead us to become our truest self, our best self. Or, 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 or we, we say this, we say, just do what makes you happy. If you just do what makes you happy, somehow in us, the thing that we want is the thing that's leading us to where we should be. And of course, that's super false. Any of you guys ever tried to follow your heart? Right? Here's the problem. Sometimes our hearts get broken. Sometimes our hearts get dark. They get hardened. They get callous. They get, they, the, it's in Jeremiah, in, in Jeremiah in the Old Testament, it says that our hearts are desperately wicked and it will lead us everywhere but to where we're supposed to go. And so we're not supposed to follow our heart, but then how are we supposed to figure out who we're supposed to be? And thankfully, the Bible gives us a completely different aim. The Bible teaches us that, that we don't trust our hearts, but that we put our trust in a God who is the architect, engineer, and designer of who we're supposed to be. He created us, like Mike said. And he had a picture in mind. In the beginning of the Bible, it says we're created in God's image. And then in the New Testament, in Colossians, it says, and when Jesus came, he was the very image of God. In other words, you connect those. He's the one that is a model of who is our truest self. So simply, we could say, don't follow your heart, follow Jesus, and aim to become more like him. Because when we become more like Jesus, we become more and more our truest self, our best self. And so we can just kind of wrap up and go home. Now you guys are all dialed in, right? No, this is incredibly challenging. It's incredibly hard. In the midst of a life that's so distracting and bad things happen to good people and we don't have answers and things don't, we pray and then, and we don't get the answer that we wanted and we get hurt and we get frustrated and we get lonely and we get struggling and, 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 and then, and then we're like, we're like, you know, my, my dog wants to take my dog for a walk. I'm like, okay, Zoe, when she was, when she was alive, Zoe, here's the deal. We're going to walk around the block. You're going to do your business on someone's lawn. I'm going to pick it up. And we'll go back home, right? And then you're going to be worn out, so you'll be a good girl the rest of the day, right? And I would tell her, like, that's the plan. She'd be like, okay, that's the plan. Like, the very next house, she sees a cat. And what does she do? When, when my little kids, when you take your kids to the, the mall, have you ever tried to do that? It's incredibly foolish. Don't do it, right? I remember when they were little, I remember having this talk with Rachel. They used to have this place called Jimboree. She loved to go there. It had like toys, clothes. She loved to go there. So I would, Rachel, here's the deal. We're going to park. We're going to walk through the mall. 
We're going to go to Jamboree. Do you understand? I understand. What was the problem? The candy store was between point A and point B. Rachel, we're going to knock at candy. We're going to walk, right? We're going to walk through there. Guess what? All of a sudden, she's pulling me into the candy store because we're easily distracted. We're pulled. And that's why we can't just follow our hearts. And James has already said that in chapter 1, that actually temptation, we don't say God is tempting us, but it's our very hearts. It's our very desires. That when we just give in to our urges, it doesn't lead us to righteousness. It leads us to destruction. And so he's got all of this wisdom in the scriptures, and we're going to get kind of to the end of this passage, and we're going to look at three important things that James kind of closes out this section where, where he wants us to be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. So today's some new content in James 1, 21 through 27. It says this. It says, Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save your souls, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in the mirror, for he looks at himself, goes away, and then immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who, who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. And if anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless and he deceives himself. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being unstained from the world. And so I hope that we can see three things this morning. And remember, it's anchored in so that we can be mature and complete, lacking in nothing, more like Jesus, becoming our truest self. And he's going to teach us three things about this. And the first thing is this. It's good news that the gospel is powerful enough to change our hearts. The gospel is powerful enough to change our hearts, to make us more and more like this Jesus, to bring us to a maturity in Christ where we're our truest, best version of ourselves. And this is important because, as we'll look, like it's important for evangelism. We're going to tell people about Jesus. If you believe that the gospel is powerful enough to change their hearts, you would have a lot of confidence, right? If, you, if your job was to go door to door and sell a terrible product, how many of you guys think you'd be good at that? I mean, some of you guys are. Some of you guys could sell anything. But not many of us, right? Some of us have the gift of evangelism. You can sell anything. But all of us are called to, to evangelism. It's great to know we have the greatest product on the planet. That the gospel is powerful. It's important. And in our own lives, it's important to know that the gospel is powerful so that you don't lose hope. Like there is hope for change. And it's not found within you. It's found outside of you in this Jesus, in this gospel. And, that, and the second thing I hope that we'll see is this. That you cannot change yourself and become your best self on your own. You need Christ. 
And the third thing that he's going to give us is three check engine lights. How many of you guys have, have check engine lights on your car? If you have an older car, you all have them, but you probably, you might not have ever seen it, but it actually is this check engine light. And I found this out when I was 18. It doesn't work if you just take some electrical tape, black tape, and put it over the light. It doesn't fix the problem. It's actually telling you that there's a problem under the hood. And James gives us some check engine lights for our hearts that we're going to look at at the end. So we're going to dig in, starting in number one in your notes. And I'm going to tell you this to put you at ease in the forefront. This total thing, and it's already been going, is probably going to be about 35 minutes. I'm going to spend the majority of my time on section one. And I tell you that for those of you guys who, are, who, who, who tend to get hangry, right? You get so hangry, hungry, you start to get angry. Well, we're going, to be in, we're going to be camping in session one so that when, when we're there a long time, I don't even think, we're only in one? How long is this going to take? I'm going to spend most of my time, calm, calm down. Okay. It'll be okay. Is that fair? So the gospel, the power of the gospel to change our hearts is what he talks about. Now, I said I would reward you if you have your paper Bible and... Also, some of you guys might have come from a tradition where it feels sacrilegious to write in your Bibles. I'm not going to force you to write in your Bibles. But some of you guys come from a thing where it's like the godlier you are, the more like yellow and orange and green highlighted your Bible is. You're going to love me this morning because I'm going to give you some, some, some promptings. And so the first thing that I want you to do, if you have a paper Bible or you're going to write it in your notes, is look at James chapter 1, find verse 21. I want you to circle, highlight, or underline the word implanted. Circle, highlight, or underline the word implanted. And then in the margins, I want you to write the word intentional. Intentional. And I want you to draw a line to it. You just had your first Bible markup, maybe, for some of you guys. Let's celebrate. So I wanted you guys to circle, highlight, underline the word implanted in verse 21, because, and then write intentional, because what James is talking about is not something that happens by accident. It is something that takes some intentionality. It takes some design. All, God is the author and perfecter of our faith, so he does the biggest part. He initiates All these things. God initiates, but we must respond. And there needs to be intentionality in both sides. And when it says implanted, it means that if we're going to want to become mature and complete, lacking in nothing, become more like Jesus, he says, then you're going to need to humbly receive the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. And so if you want to kind of get an idea of what that means. What is the humble, what, what is the intentional word, I mean the, the, the implanted word that can save your souls? He's talking about what we call the gospel. The good news about who God is, about what God has done, about what God has promised. He says we need to humbly receive this, intentionally humbly receive this. It's the implanted word of God. It needs some intentionality. And then he gives you a little bit more of a picture of what that looks like. If you want to become more mature in Christ, you're going to need to humbly receive the implanted word. That, And you're also going to need to do one other thing. A, you're going to need to rid yourself of the moral filth, the things that are getting in the way. You're going to need to get rid of some stuff that's getting in the way. And you're going to need to saturate yourself or nourish yourself with some things that are good for you. So there's some intentionality 
that James is kind of pointing us to. If you want to be more like Jesus, the gospel is powerful to change. And if you, if, if you believe that that's true, you need to humbly receive the fact that that is true. And you need to start ridding yourself of some things. And you need to start nourishing yourself with some things. And it's intentional in the process. The next thing I would like you to do is I want you to circle, highlight, or underline the phrase, be doers, in verse 22. And then draw a line to intentionality or intentional. We're supposed to be doers of the word, not hearers only. And there's some intentionality that comes from that. Let me ask you this question. How do you know if a seed that you implanted takes root? I mean, let's say you're, you're old school and you actually, I don't know, let me back up a sec. For those of you guys who think you're farmers and you go to uh, Home Depot and you buy a five foot uh, a, a tomato vine and then you plant that in your garden and then three weeks later it's brown, um, that's not how farming works. You actually put seeds in the soil and water it, and then it takes a while, but something's happening in there, and you just have to trust something's happening in there. And then, how do you know it took root? Something grows, right? It's pretty simple, I know. Something, but that's what James is talking about. When he says, be doers of the word, he's not saying that if you're mature, you'll do stuff. He's not saying that action equals maturity. He's not saying that the action step from today, no one hear this, that the action step for today is start doing a bunch of stuff and then people will think you're mature. That's not real. That's what we call behavior modification. That's trying to fix yourself. What James is talking about when he says, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. He's talking about the power that he believes is actually in the gospel. That he just knows, like, if you get rid of the stuff that's in the way and you plant this seed deep in your soul and you let it water and you give it the time that it needs, something will happen. Something will happen. It will produce some doing. Mature believers do mature things, right? But here's the warning. Some people who are not mature believers start doing mature-looking things, and it's not real. And they quickly fall away, they get burnt out, because they're skipping the process. It would be like if you went in your garden and you saw that one of your fruit trees was getting a little dried out, and you thought, I know what I'll do. I'll water the leaves. You might accidentally get some results because it drips down, but where does the water need to go? It needs to go to the soil, deep down into the roots, in order for it to be real. So don't get it wrong when he says, be doers of the word. That's not the anchor verse. The anchor verse is that we would be mature, and he says, humbly receive 
the implanted word of God, get rid of some things. So if you're a gardener, you go in there, there's some weeds, there's some, there's some poison in there. You probably want to get rid of that. There's some things getting in the way, some other weeds growing out there. It's taking all the water and the nutrient. Let's pull those things out. Let's get rid of those. Maybe let's get some fertile, some fertilizer, put that, some miracle grow in there, maybe some water and let this thing grow. That's the idea that James is getting at when he says that we would be doers and not just hearers. So we want to do good things. We want to do good things. And here's the thing. Mature people do mature things. And if you want to become mature, sometimes the process is to start doing mature things, and then you'll become mature. So you'll do, good, you'll do mature things because you're mature, and you'll become mature if you do good things with the right intentionality. With the right intentionality, which is to become more like this Jesus, to be ridding ourselves of the things that are getting in the way, and to be feeding the things that are helping us become more like this Jesus. So one more circle highlight underline for this section. I want you guys to go to verse 23 and circle highlight or underline the word intently. And draw a line to that same intentionality. Here we have three very intentional action steps, right? That we can can point to in this passage that all talk about there's things that we can do. And James here, when he talks about this idea of, uh, of intently, he's using an analogy saying, intently looking in the mirror. When you intently look in the mirror, what does that mean? It means you're looking specifically for something, right? Like maybe you're, you're looking at, intently at the mirror to see if you have something in your teeth. Maybe you're looking intently in the mirror to see if I look fat in these pants. Maybe you're looking intently in the mirror to see if you are ready to go out for the day. Maybe you're looking intently in the mirror for whatever it is. What are you looking intently in the mirror? But it's like a person who looks intently in the mirror. But the analogy is this. It's like somebody who, who, who looks at the word of God, who hears the word of God, who hears the things that God is saying to them. He's a hearer and then does nothing about it. The analogy is that somebody who hears the word of God, hears the gospel and doesn't rid themselves of the things and, and, and nourish the things and doesn't respond is like somebody who looks in the mirror and then immediately walks away and forgets what he was like. Like if, imagine if, think about that analogy. Like you just looked in the mirror intently. You're studying yourself. And then you went to a class and they said, you can get 100 points extra credit if you could write down one paragraph describing yourself. And you're like perplexed. I don't know anything about what I look like. You are just looking in the mirror. That's the foolishness that he's saying, right? That you, if you hear God's word, but do nothing in response, you're like that guy is what he's saying. Perhaps this person has no intention of changing. Perhaps this person has hardened their heart. They have no intention of changing. Yeah, I'll come come to church today. I'll listen, but it's not going to pack me. Right? You have no intention of changing. They've forgotten the anchor verse. 
to become more like Jesus, to be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. It's no longer their goal. It's not to be that. Maybe they figured out, I know a better way to become my truest self, right? And they've, and they've stopped believing in that. But this person has no intention of changing. Or this person stopped believing that the gospel is powerful enough to change them. This person, for whatever reason, has become a hearer with no action, with no belief, with no doing. So if, that, if this person wanted to become more like Jesus, James would come back and say, well, then rid yourself of some things and implant and nourish yourself with some things. But, but, they, but they've lost the passion for Jesus in that way. And I would say that we're never going to, we're never going to grow to be our best version of ourselves, which is more like Jesus. We're never going to grow to be mature and complete, lacking in nothing, if we don't want to change and become more like Jesus. Like, like not, not like, I want to if it's easy. No, like, I want to to the point where you're willing to do whatever it takes. If, if we don't have a desire, a deep desire to become more like Jesus. And then secondly, if we don't believe that it's possible. If we don't believe that the gospel changes lives. And I want you guys to listen to me. Because here's the work of the enemy. Some of you guys, myself included, get to seasons where we've been a Christian a very long time. And long enough to where it feels like more should have happened. And what happens when that doesn't equate? What answers do we come up with? Is it our fault? Is it God's fault? Is it that? Maybe it's not God's fault. It's just not that powerful to change. Maybe I was putting too much expectations in God. What's going on in there? So I just want to kind of start off with a quote to kind of revitalize some thought. And then I want to spend some time just looking at maybe if that's you and you feel like you've lost a little hope in the power of the gospel, I want to help you rediscover that this morning. This guy Tim Chester is a great pastor in England, has a cool English accent. If you ever get a chance to listen to Tim, he says the same thing that I say, and it just sounds awesome. It's like one of those guys, right? And, and he wrote a book called We Can Change, and if you're at a season where you, you're really struggling with some deep bondage type, like stronghold type stuff, addiction or whatever, such a good book. We can change. Go through it with some people. Um, but he wrote in the, in, in the beginning of his book, he said, The secret of gospel change is being convinced that Jesus is the good life and the fountain of all joy. And any alternative we might choose would be a letdown. He's saying the secret to true change of heart from, God, from the gospel is to believe that Jesus is life and joy and everything else is simply a letdown. It means this. It means that we start believing that the gospel is actually good news and that everything that the world is selling us is actually fake good news. Isn't that a thing today? Have you guys ever been tricked by fake news? 
Like, oh my goodness, so-and-so is good. This happened to so-and-so. No, it's fake news, right? We're bombarded by fake news. What we're saying is that the gospel is good news and that the world is filled with fake news. Don't buy it. And believing that the gospel is good news is the key to true heart change. How many of you guys know this? The gospel offers something deeper, more substantial, more life-nourishing than anything that the world offers. How many of you guys know this? Trusting the gospel and giving it patience and time and to change your heart is a lot harder. It takes a lot longer than the things that the world offers. What the world offers is easier, faster, more gratifying initially in a quicker sense, and yet it leaves you more empty. What the, wor- what, what the gospel offers is something that's a lot longer of a process, but it's a lot deeper. It's a lot more substantial. And this is kind of the, the idea of what we're looking at here. And I had this, I had this example at work uh, last week. We have this new guy at our work. He's 23 years old. Ladies, he's hot. I mean, I, I'm not even afraid to admit it. He's like, you drive down the street and everybody, even the dudes are looking at it like, like, that guy's hot, right? He's one of those guys. I've never been that guy, so I don't know what it's like. But he's there. He's 23, single, ready to mingle. Don't call him. He's not a Christian. Uh, 1 Corinthians 7, right? But, <laughs> but they're talking to him about, they're talking to him, these older guys. Some of, a couple of them are, are divorced and they're like out in the app game, you know, like in the dating game again. And they're looking at this young guy, and they make this comment like, Lucky, you got it so easy. When we were kids, you had to like go to the bar and do like do all it was a lot of work. Now it's so easy. You just like get on this app and you flip right and you like pick somebody and you're hot. So yeah, you're gonna get a date, right? And whatever else you want out of it. And they're talking about it like it's so awesome. And he's so lucky. Guys. I wish I could have taken a picture of his face. His eyes in that moment looked so lonely. I mean, I was looking at him, my pastoral heart, my heart was breaking. These guys were like, this is so awesome. He's like, I do all of those things. Yeah, it's easy. I'm alone and I'm empty. Because the world offers easier, quicker less substantial, less deep, shallow versions of your best self. And the gospel offers depth. And so if you're the person who's like, yeah, but I've been really trying for a long time. I've been in this and I believe and I've been in it for a long time and my life still stinks. And God isn't answering the stuff that I care about most. And my family's not responding the way I wanted them to. And I, and I prayed that God would heal Zoe, and he didn't. And now I can't take her for walks. And you're just in that moment where it's, yeah, I'm hurt. And I was good. I mean, relatively. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. James is writing to you. James is writing to you. He's not writing to people who are in Hawaii on vacation. 
He's writing to a church who's struggling. Nothing makes sense. The more they try to pay their bills, the more their boss is firing because they're a Christian. The more they're trying to get ahead and do the right thing, the more life gets hard. And Paul, I mean, James writes them and goes, rejoice when you're struggling. <laughs> what? Yeah, rejoice when you're struggling because God never wastes a hurt. God is in the soil with you. Sometimes the struggle is God raking out your soil. And he's like, why are you raking me? Because there's pollution in there. Sometimes God isn't trying to make you happy. He's trying to make you holy. Maybe you're in that place where you've been faithful. And James would say, wait a little longer. Or maybe, maybe you're honest with yourself. You're like, no, I haven't been too faithful. I've been making some bad decisions. And actually the train wreck of your life really makes a lot of sense with the decisions you've been making. James is writing to you. And he wants to tell you, get off of that train. Just give it to him. Let him have the wheel. Let him bring you back to the right path. Either way, James is saying, wherever you're at right now, if you want to be more mature, more like Jesus, if you want to be your best you, if you, want, if you want to know that the trajectory of your life, though it's going to go through some mountains and hills and valleys, though, but it's going the right direction, follow Jesus. It is the best way to go. It's not easy, but it's better. And so James is writing this letter to tell you that. And, and, he, and, and as, we, as we close out here, I told you you're going to spend most of the time in one. We're going to go fast through the other two. That you cannot change your own heart. Some people read James and they think it's about behavior modification. You're getting it so wrong. It's about becoming more like Jesus. And it's not about behavior modification. We need Jesus to change our hearts. If you have your pen and your Bible, I want you to circle, underline, or highlight in verse, uh, I think it's in 26, but uh, uh, humbly receive. I'm sorry, it's in verse 21. Humbly receive. Or if you have the ESV, it's receive with meekness. And write in your margins the word grace. What, What James is saying here, he's saying humbly receive or receive with meekness. It's not something that you need to fix. You need to humbly receive grace, this gift of God, the gift that Jesus is. Jesus came to die on a cross because we cannot fix ourselves. We need to, we need to let our, our, our shame, our guilt, our past be nailed to the cross, receive his righteousness, and then get up and follow him. And he'll make you become more and more like him one day at a time. It's a process, but it is about grace. Grace is this. When your relationship with God and when your life, when your trajectory, when your hope is found in grace, then this is true about you. There is now nothing that you can do to make God love you anymore. When, when you've re- humbly received the, the, the implanted word that saves your soul, the gospel, it's a gospel of grace. When you receive that, there is now nothing that you can do to make God love you anymore. And there is nothing that you can do 
to make God love you any less. There's no longer a process of you trying to earn your righteousness. He gives it to you. Humbly receive it. Now you can train wreck your life. So, so rid yourselves and implant some things and do some things, but humbly receive it first. And so he contrasts a couple things. Remember the, the guy who looks in the mirror and he goes around, away, what does he forget? He forgets what he was like. Because if you look in the mirror and you, and you see what you're like, one or two things can happen. Either you get bummed about that and you stop looking, you start putting makeup on, right, and you look better on the outside, or you just go, wow, I never knew I was so ugly on the inside. But there's this offer. He's going to come and change me from the inside out. And so there's this person who humbly looks, I mean, intently looks at the mirror and he forgets what he was like. And then he contrasts it later with the person who looks into the scriptures and believes it's the way to freedom. Did you guys catch that in the verse? It's the way to what? Freedom. It's the way to freedom. And so we desperately need Jesus. We'll have the... Worship team, come back up. And the last thing that he gives, and I want to just tell you this. I'm going to begin this in the next three weeks. James is going to bring it up again. So we're just beginning some topics that we're going to talk about a lot in the next few weeks. He gives you three check engine lights for our hearts. How do you know when you look in the mirror that your heart is distant from the way God wants it to be? Here's here's three things that James tells you. You know by what comes out of your mouth. Jesus said at one point that the things that are in your heart, what's stored up in your heart, comes out of your mouth. Sometimes Kenny, we'll, just, we'll, we'll come up with a hypothetical person, we'll call him Kenny. Some guys, sometimes Pastor Kenny uh, says some things during the week, and then at the end of the day, he looks back and he goes, I can't believe that I had that attitude. can't believe that. That's me. And yet I'd believe it. And when that happens, when, when the things that are coming out of your mouth are negative, complainy, even foul, you know what's going on? It's a check engine light. Something's going on at the heart level that needs to get dealt with. And the second check engine light is this. It's how you treat those who are less fortunate or poor or the widow or the orphan, those who can't can't help themselves, how you treat, how you look at the attitude you have towards the poor, the, the, the people who, who, who have nothing to offer you back, how you treat those people is an indication of your heart. We're going to look at that a lot next week. Get excited. And the third one is this. How infatuated we are with the things of the world. So James says, like, pure religion is like, like undefiled things aren't coming out of your mouth. You're looking after the widow and the orphan. And, and keeping yourself from being polluted by the world. Keeping yourself from being polluted by the world. We're going to look at those things a lot more. But if those are things that you're like, man, I, I'm not so proud of the things that come out of my mouth. I'm not so proud of the things I think about when I see certain types of people. I'm not so proud of the things that I'm attracted to and keep doing. 
then he's going to be uprooting those things in the next few weeks. And so I'm excited to go with those with you. Why? Because they lead to freedom when we deal with them. Because they lead to freedom when we deal with them. So my last quest is you, uh, to us is this. If we're tempted to get the world's advice and say, follow your heart, I say, let's reject the world's advice. Let's not try to follow our heart. And let's try to, let's try to allow God to change our hearts so that our hearts are following Jesus. Thank you for listening to Remembrance Community Church Podcast. You can find all our weekly sermons online at remembrancecommunity.org forward slash sermons. Thank you for listening.